Are we ready for the Word of God? Come on, why don't we put our hands together and welcome Pastor Doug as he brings the Word to us. Hallelujah. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yeah? Are you ready for the Word of God? Oh, yeah. Have you got your Bible with you? All right, if you've got your Bible with you, I want you to hold it in your hand. Okay, lift it up high. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. Now give the Lord a great big shout and a clap this morning. Yes. Wow. You know, I'm excited about this word because, uh, do you know what? Um, this word kept me up during the week, so thank God. I believe I'm going to keep you awake this morning. So uh, I want you to turn in your Bible to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Chapter 4 and verse 14. Let me know when you got there. You there? All right. Okay, now Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14 to 16, it says, That we should no longer be children. Turn to the person next to you and say, Don't be a baby. <laughs> Turn the person on the other side, tell them, Don't be a baby. All right, toss to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine with, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth and love may grow up. Tell the person on the other side, grow up. Tell the person on the other side, grow up. You know we're going to have a, a healing call for uh, emotional abuse afterwards, okay? <laughs> all right. And all things, grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, whole body, joined and held together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Say every part. Every part does its share. Okay? Causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love. Okay, God wants us to be more like Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah? And this happens because we're connected firstly to Him and then to each other. You see, when the Bible talks about the church, nowhere does it talk about a loosely connected of individuals doing their own thing for Jesus. Amen? It doesn't say anything like that. It talks about a body that's connected together with all the individual parts closely connected and related to one another, relating to one another under the headship and leadership of Jesus Christ. Okay, now this morning I've got a question I want to ask to you. I want to ask you this morning, how well are you connected? How well are you connected? You see, when in the world we talk about how well someone is connected, you say, that person, man, they are well connected. When we talk about that in the world, we're talking about someone who knows or is related to the rich or famous. They know people, the power brokers of this world, this culture, they're tied in with them. 
And you see, the world gets that in part because it knows that it's not only what you know that counts, it's who you know that counts. Okay, now the world knows that and gets it, but it gets it in part. Because to tell you what, the most powerful people on this earth that you can know are the people of the living God. Amen? All right. The most powerful person that you can know today is Jesus Christ. And His people, the person alongside you, check out the person alongside you. Now, apart from their outstanding good looks, okay, outstanding good looks, apart from their outstanding good looks, you hadn't noticed that? You better take another look, okay? Outstanding good looks. That person, if they're a believer in Jesus Christ, they are a powerful person because there is no one else, no other group of people on this earth that in the name of Jesus can cast a demon out of someone. There is no other people on the face of this earth that can pray and bring a genuine healing from God. There is no other group of people in this earth that can pray and see the very hand of God move. The people of God are the most powerful and the most influential people that you can know. So you need to know them. All right. Now, I've got a testimony this morning. Yeah, I've got a testimony. You know what? I'm sharing someone else's testimony, but there's power in this. Okay, how many of you guys know Shane, Shane Milford? He's at the back on the security back here. Uh, wave your hand to Shane. Is Shane? He's, he's a great guy, okay? Now, I've got a great testimony with this, is that Shane Milford, okay, up until a week ago, had seven months, okay, seven months of back pain, okay? Excruciating back pain. Two of those months, he spent going in and out of physio every day, Okay? The only solution that the world could offer, Shane, was that we'll send you in for an operation, we'll cut you open, and we'll do something there. And, and actually, we're not even sure if it'll work, but we'll do it anyway. All right? But you know what? Shane serves on security in the security team. And uh, two weeks ago, he came along to serve God in that security team. And two of the other guys in the security team prayed for Shane. You know what? One week later, Shane is healed. Come on, give the Lord some praise. (laughs) Now that's a great thing. Do you know why that happened? That happened because Shane was connected to the people of God. Did the pastors pray for him? No. Someone else in his team prayed for him. Two other men in the team stood with him and prayed for him. If Shane wasn't connected to the people of God, he'd be going in this week for an operation. But he's not. Because he was connected with the people of God who stood with him, who prayed for him, and healing came. Now that's good news, eh? All right. Now, to be connected, to be connected to the people of God, you actually need to stand against our culture because our culture resists connection. Our culture, it's all about independence. It's all about superstars. It's all about independence. It's all about the achievements of individuals. And you know what? Our culture even mocks the gathering together 
of people and says, well, that's a sign of weakness. You know, they mock that. They say that's a herd mentality or something like that. Independence is seen as a strength in our culture. But you know what? That is not the way of the kingdom of God. What the culture sees as a strength is actually a weakness. Now, I want to quote from some, some recent surveys in America, and I, I can bet that New Zealand isn't too far different from this. Okay, recent surveys in America showed that over 40% of people didn't have anyone they could talk to meaningfully outside their immediate family. 40% had no friends, no one they could confide in outside their immediate family. Okay, and a great big 25% had no one they could talk with meaningfully at all. Family members or non-family members, 25% of the population had no one to talk to. That's a shame. That's a crying shame. That's a tragedy. But put this alongside another researcher who said, and I want to quote him, he says that social isolation is as dangerous for your health as smoking, yeah, as dangerous for your health as smoking. And then they go on to say that they've got no idea why this is. Well, you know what? I've got an idea what it is, and I believe you have too. You see, the Bible makes it clear we were not made for a life of isolation. We were not made or designed from that for that. We were built to belong. Yeah? We were built to be uh, in, in relationship, in community with one another. God is a relational God. God doesn't exist in isolation. God himself exists in perfect community. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I want you to flip over in your Bible to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Genesis 1 and 26. Are you there? Yeah, you're getting there. All right. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, it says, Then God said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. Now, okay, the first part of that is what I want to concentrate is God said, let, uh, let us make man in our image. Okay, get that. God, singular. Us, plural. God, one God, three persons. One God, three persons. God is a relational God. And we, you and I, have been made in his likeness. All right, now look at Genesis 1.31. Just go along a little bit further. This is a creation account. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Everyone say, very good. So the evening and the morning, the sixth day, everything is good. Everything is good. But I want you to have a look over into the next chapter. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Everything is very good. And then God looks out and sees there's something that's not good. Something that's not good. In verse 18, it says, The Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Something wasn't good. And in God's eyes, that was the state of being alone. Loneliness is not a state that makes God happy. So to complete his plan and to bring divine order to his creation, God created woman. And all the men said? And all the men said? Yeah. All right. And all the single woman said? 
Give me that man. All right. Okay, we're created in the image of God who by character exists in relationship. We have been created to live in relationship. We have been created for connection. Now, in the same way, you don't give Nana a Ferrari to go shopping in. You don't give Nana a Ferrari to go shopping in. Okay. Let me finish. Let me finish. In the same way, you don't give Nana a Ferrari to go shopping in because even if she makes it there, the granddad... Wait for me. Give me a chance. The granddad in the car park next to her is going to open the door against it and scratch it. Okay? You don't take your Ferrari to, the, to, the, to pack and save, okay? All right. You don't take any new car to pack and save. You park it by itself. Okay? You don't give your brand new Series 7 BMW to your teenage son for them to do rockies around the riverbanks. You don't do it. Eh? You don't do it. In the same way you wouldn't do any of those things, you are not made for isolation. You are not made to live by yourself. Some of you will say, well, thank God, I've got my husband, I've got my wife, I've got my kids. Pastor, that's got to be enough. But actually, it's not enough. As good as that is that you've got family, it's not enough. You see, even the ungodly love their family. Even the ungodly love their children. Now, as important as your family is, God's plan has always been bigger than the individual family. God's plan has been to create a family for himself out of every generation, out of every tribe, out of every tongue, out of every people group upon the face of this earth. That is the plan of God. And his plan is is that you and I be connected to it. God's plan is that we be connected. Let me ask again this morning, how well are you connected? Let me push a little harder on that. Will you allow me to push on that just a bit more? Eh? Who are the two or three others in your life other than your husband or your wife or your children who watch out for your soul and you watch out for theirs? Who are the two or three others in your life that watch out for your soul and you watch out for theirs? Because that's important. Connections are important. If you can't identify people like that in your life, it's time to do something about it. You see, but pastor, I go to a small group. In fact, I'm enrolled for undercover. Now, that's a good thing, because if you're not, you need to go see um, Pastor Cecilia and Aroha at the back. Okay? But that's not enough. Because let me tell you, you can go to a small group and still never connect meaningfully with someone. Yeah? Let me tell you the difference between an attender and a member. The difference between an attender and a member is commitment. Attenders are spectators from the sidelines. Members get involved in ministry. Attenders consume while members contribute. Attenders 
want the blessing of being together, but not the responsibilities. A lot like couples who live together without getting married. They want the blessings of relationship, but they don't want the responsibilities. So the Bible says, okay, together, that we're put together, we're joined together, we're built together. We're members together, we're heirs together, we're fitted together, we're held together, and we will be caught up together with Jesus Christ. Amen. Someone say amen. Okay, now this does not describe a life of isolation. It describes a life of community, a life of commitment, one with another. Your connections are vital, and how you're connected is just of the utmost importance. Now this morning, I want to look at three key benefits of connecting. In connection, you will find these three key benefits. First of all, you will discover your purpose. Secondly, you will become productive. And thirdly, you're protected. Okay, so let's look at discovering your purpose. We've looked a lot over the last, uh, last few weeks, uh, even since the beginning of the year, we've talked about destiny and purpose. But let me tell you that your destiny and purpose is only discovered in connection with the people of God. It's only discovered in that. It's not discovered in isolation. In the early church, the members, the church members, were not considered just a a random collection. They were considered vital organs of a body, vital parts of a body. Let me read to you Ephesians 4 and verse 16 in the New Living Translation. Just for clarity, it says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love every part every part every part every part has its own special purpose and work to do you have a special part to play a special work to do And that work is found in connection with other believers. My heart actually has no purpose whatsoever unless it's connected with my body. It's a fine heart, I can tell you. But aside from the rest of my body, it isn't worth anything. Cat food. All right? Your hand has no purpose unless it's connected to your arm. Eh? No purpose whatsoever. A person with teaching gifts only, only has a purpose when there's people to be taught. Your teaching gift isn't worth a thing unless it's connected with other people who need that gift. A person with the helps ministry is no use at all unless they're connected with people who need help. A person with the gift of mercy They've got no purpose at all. That gift is no purpose unless they're connected with people who need mercy. You see, you will only ever discover your purpose in life as you properly connect with others and get involved in the vision of the church and get involved in the vision of God. Now, how many of you guys have heard of Martin Luther? This is cool. We looked at this at the Bible school uh, on Monday night. Now, you see, Martin Luther understood this. He understood that he needed others to help him. He was a powerful church reformer in the 1500s. 
powerful man of God, fierce, strong, bold, stood against the tide of religious compromise in the church then, fought huge reformation. But he didn't stand alone. This guy was known as the wild boar in the vineyard. Yeah? How'd you like to be called that? The wild boar in the vineyard. Yeah? He didn't stand alone. He understood his need for others. This Martin Luther had a friend called Frederick Myconius. Okay? And uh, in 1540, Myconius was about to die. In fact, he sent his last letter to Luther saying, basically, by the time you get this letter, I'm toast. I'm gone. And, uh, and, and certainly by the time, if you reply, then I'm not likely to be here. Okay, do you know what Luther did? He had such an understanding of this guy's importance. He wrote Myconius a letter. This is what he said. You've got to get this. He says, I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you and the reforming of the church. You like that boldness? Get this, it gets better. The Lord will not permit me to hear while I live that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying, this is my will, and may my will be done because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Oh, someone say amen. That's a bold prayer. By the time that letter reached Myconius, he couldn't even speak. He was on his way out. That letter was read to Myconius. Days later, he's on his feet. He's well. He's helping Luther. Yeah? Come on, someone say amen. Yeah? He, he's alive. And do you know what? He survived Luther by two months. Yeah? Bold prayer. Luther knew his need for others. He needed Myconius. And he wasn't going to stand by while his friend died. He wasn't going to stand by. He wasn't going to let that happen. That's awesome. Luther understood that. You've got to discover your purpose. The other week, Pastor Dave preached out of 1 Corinthians 15. It says that in verse 25, For he must reign, Christ must reign, till he has put all enemies under his feet. Now, because we are the body of Christ, whose feet are those, un are those enemies under? Ours, they're under our feet. Do you, want a, do you want another scripture for that? God will put the enemies of Christ under our feet, under your feet, under my feet. That's what he'll do in Romans chapter 16 and verse 19 to 20. It says, For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. That's good news. Is that good news? Okay. The enemies of God will be crushed under your feet, under my feet. But what if those feet are lame? That's a message that Pastor Dave preached last week. What if those feet are lame? What if those, what if those legs won't stand up and crush Satan underneath? See, this is an application both in our own life, our personal lives, and in the life of the church. You see, we want your life personally to be healed and to be strong. But we also, as a church, need your connections with the other people in the body to be strong, to be, uh, to be rock solid. Do, you want, do we want you to be involved in serving in the church? Absolutely. And I make no apologies for that at all. We want you to be involved in serving in the church. 
Do you know why we want you to be involved in serving the church? Because it's good for you personally. Do I believe that Shane would have been healed if he hadn't been serving God that day? I don't believe that. Do I believe that anyone would have prayed for him if there wasn't someone there standing with him that knew him and said, hey, you don't look so good, what's up? And they prayed for him. Do I want you to be involved personally in serving in the church? Absolutely, because it's good for you. Yeah, and it helps the church grow stronger. Yeah, of course it's a benefit to the church. It makes the church strong. Who wants to be in a weak, pathetic church? Not me, not at all. Okay, the next benefit for connection is that your life becomes productive. How many of you want productive lives? We don't want to be living unproductive lives, eh? If you want to produce something in your life, you need to be connected. Again, using the example of the body, my hand can only be productive as long as it's attached to my arm, as it's attached to my body, as it's attached to my head. All right? You can only be productive if you're attached in the same way. You see, the Bible is full of people's lives who became productive because they were connected to others. One example, okay, the Apostle Paul, a rugged individual, yeah? A rugged individual survived imprisonments, beatings, shipwrecks, preached the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the Roman Empire, planted churches throughout the, Germ uh, the Gentile world, wrote 13 of the books of the New Testament. A rugged individual. Did he do this alone? No, he didn't. You see, the Apostle Paul, he traveled with men who looked after him, who took care of him, who prayed for him, who stood with him. In Philemon uh, chapter, uh, verses 23 and 24, it talks about Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. As do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. All of these guys, bar one, you can go through and find they lived hugely productive lives. Epaphras was a church planter who looked after uh, three regions of churches in three regions. He stuck so closely with Paul, he was that called the fellow prisoner. Aristarchus, he stuck with Paul also, shared his imprisonment. Uh, Mark and Luke, of course, you know, you know that uh, those guys wrote major portions of Scripture. These men became productive and Paul became productive through his connection with them. They became productive through their connection with him. But Demas, there's Demas in there, one guy. And it's a sad statement that Demas in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10, it says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Demas did not value his connection with the people of God, and he walked away. How well are you connected this morning? The next benefit of connection, and this one, this one really, it kept me awake during the week. It kept me awake during the week. I've got a film clip that I want to show you shortly. Okay. I want you to turn over in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 5 to 9. 1 Peter chapter 5. Are you there? Are you with me this morning? All right. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, beginning. says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. 
Yes, not just your parents said that, okay? <laughs> it wasn't just your parents. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Okay, now first, check this out. Okay, the devil, the devil is not a product of a bad dream brought on by eating too much pizza and ice cream too much in the, in the, in the later evening. He's not the product of a nightmare brought on by pizza. Okay, the devil is not the creation of your mum or your dad to scare you and to stop fighting with your brothers and sisters. He's a real, he is a real being. And in resisting the devil, the scripture tells us to resist him in faith, in faith that comes out of living in right relationship with the people of God and in the right relationship with God himself. Be humble with each other and be humble with God. Then you are in a position to resist the devil. The devil here is compared to a roaring lion seeking whom he will devour and destroy. Now I've got that video clip. Stu, are you ready with that? Okay, I want to show you this video. Thanks, guys. I want you to watch this really carefully. If... By contrast, the buffalo are steadily building in strength. Within this seemingly chaotic mass is a surprising almost military organization. Kinship groups like small regiments making up brigades in their clans and herds. As they hone their weapons against trees and shrubs, they signal their aggression. Constantly reinforced bonds protect the young and bolster their group strength. The buffalo are more than just prey for lions. You ready? Sara, in action again. Coordinated and working as a unit to fell a young cow. But the fallen cow belongs. It is her saving grace. Time and time again, when the lionesses separate her out of the herd, her clan rallies to find her. And it is here that the whole pride is needed to distract and counter, to face down the charging family and to outflank the injured cow. But not today. Three lionesses haven't shown up for the hunt, and the buffalo are getting stronger. Do you like that? Oh, that's a good sight, isn't it? And the buffalo are getting stronger. You know, if a picture could tell a thousand words, that one and a half minute segment, okay, preaches a whole message. Everything in my message is up there in that one and a half minutes. You know, it's a powerful thing to be connected. 
I could have shown you a lot of pictures. That movie was out of uh, a, uh, a DVD called Relentless Enemies, Lions and Buffaloes. And uh, I could, I tell you what, I could show you a lot of pictures where it didn't go so well, where the buffalo was dinner for the lions. Yeah? But this time, this time it didn't happen like that. Did you catch what the commentator said? The fallen cow belonged. And her family, the people who cared about her, came back looking for her and ran down and ran off the lions. Let me ask you this morning, if the devil's on your back, if the devil's at your throat, if you are down, who will come looking for you? Yeah? Who will come looking for you? Who will have prepared themselves for the battle? Who will have sharpened their weapons for the fight? Who will be prepared not to stand back and see you devoured by the devil, devoured by that roaring lion? Who will stand for you? Not only stand, but have practiced and will run down the enemy. You see, they will be the people whose lives you have invested in and that you have allowed them to invest their lives in you. You see, there's a danger when I ask this. Who will stand with you? Who will come back looking for you? Some of you will be thinking, nobody cares. Nobody cares about me. Nobody, nobody would notice. No! Okay. If that's you this morning, don't you dare. Okay, tell the person next to you, don't you dare think like that. Because guess what? This is your responsibility to get connected for others. We create the environment for that to happen. But it's your responsibility to put yourself in that place. It's your responsibility. Let me turn my question around this morning. Who would come back looking for you? Who would you go back and look for? Who would you go back and look for? Have you prepared your weapons for such a fight? Will you chase the devil right off the back of one of your friends? Would you do that? Would you do that this morning? Go and tell the person next to you, I'll do that for you. <laughs> so let me ask you this morning, how well are you connected? How well are you connected? See, the first step happens when we make a commitment to Jesus Christ. You say, Jesus, I want you in my life. We connect ourselves. The next step is we get baptized. Baptism is not just an empty religious ritual. It's a powerful spiritual statement that says, my life belongs to Jesus Christ. And I belong to the people of God. Real connection happens when we deal with the blockages to connection in our lives. There's a number of main blockages in our lives for connection. The first one is pride. Pride says, I don't need anyone else. No one can tell me anything anyway. Now, the next blockage is selfishness. Selfishness says, I don't have the time or energy for this. I'm much, much too busy for you. Rejection. Rejection says, others don't want me or need me. No one loves me. Jesus said you love God and you love your neighbor as yourself. You don't have a chance of loving your neighbor if you don't love yourself. 
Bitterness and unforgiveness is another major blockage. It says others have hurt me and you probably will. You probably will too. So how do we overcome these? You acknowledge them. You say, that's an issue in my life. You say, God, I want your help. I ask that you forgive me. You need to repent of it. And then you make a decision to become connected. You see, being in a small group is vital to being connected with others. And now is a great time to get involved in a small group if you're not already. Now is a great time. And you know what? But still, real connection doesn't happen just by turning up to a small group. It happens because you make an inward decision that I need others and they need me. They have got something that I need and I can help them as well. It happens because you decide that you need to be connected with others and you make it happen. How well are you connected this morning? How well are you connected? I'm going to finish off here this morning. Can I have the the band, please? Your connections are vital, people. Absolutely vital. You need others, and others need you. This morning, I look around, and I see there's some buffalo missing. There's some gaps where I'd expect to see some buffalo, but they're not here. Do you notice anyone that's missing this morning? Why don't you go and find them, and make sure that there's not a devil on their back. And you drag them off to church next Sunday. Because they need you. Don't stand by while someone else gets consumed. Let's pray, people. Every head bowed. Father, today we come to you. And Lord God, you are awesome. We know, Lord, that we need to be connected with you. And we need to be connected with others. This morning, while every head is bowed, I want to ask you, are you connected with Jesus Christ? Are you connected with Jesus Christ this morning? If you know in your heart that you are not connected with Jesus Christ and you want that to change, if you want that to be different, I want you to raise your hand this morning. Anyone here this morning? Anyone? There's others of us this morning as I've been preaching. You've thought, who would come looking for me? You realized that your connections are not that great. If that's you this morning, I want you to lift your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. You realize that your connections are not that great. I want you to have a think real clear about it. Because now is the time to change that. Now is the time to change that. Make an inward decision that I'm not going to live a life in isolation. Hallelujah.
people let's all stand and worship and sing praise to God this morning are you alive this morning yeah come on let's worship him